Welcome to another message from Bridge Assembly, located at 725 Granite Avenue in Helena, Montana. For more information on Bridge, go to our website at bridgehelena.com. It is our prayer that this message will help you to connect with God, connect with others, and connect others with God. we got to believe it. That is a gritty, stubborny kind of song. I like it. If you guys... Uh, well, no, we're going to pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, all of those things that we just sang about, Lord God, healer, comforter, Lord, you're our redeemer. You're our protector. Lord God, you are the one that we, we look to for our wisdom, for our guidance, for every step that we take, Lord. We need you to be those things in our lives. Lord God, help us to separate ourselves from the distractions of this world so that we may focus in solely upon you. And Lord God, help us to do that with, with a stubbornness, Lord Jesus. Lord, without you, we have absolutely nothing. So today, as we meet together, as we come together in this sanctuary, we glorify you, Lord God. We turn our hearts toward you collectively in worship, Lord God, but not just that, collectively within our lives, Lord God. Help us to exalt you in a worthy manner. Help us to edify one another. And Lord God, help us to take your message into this world, into this very community. Jesus, your name is powerful. It's the name above all names. And we pray in that very name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You guys can now be seated. Thank you, guys. All right, kids, before I dismiss you, kids, you're going to come back up for communion. We're going to do communion at the end of service today, so we will call the kids back up. So be ready for that. Be aware of that. Um, who knows when that will be? I don't know. I could preach all day. It could be tonight. And everyone said? Yeah, yeah right. All right, so kids, go on. Run on. Bye. All right. For you adults, we got a couple quick announcements. I want to shoot through these really quick. Um, next Saturday is the men's men's night. Come on, men. Come on, men. Slider night, March 12th, 6 p.m. There's a sign-up sheet that Amy is going to pass around so you guys can sign up. If you're bringing something, indicate what you're bringing. You don't have to bring sliders. You could bring sides and, and that kind of thing. But please sign up, guys, and let's uh, make it a fun night. It's no fun if, like, three people sign up. We want as many guys as, as, uh, as can come to be here. It will not be in the church building, though. It will be in the office building that's catty corner over there. Um, Celebrate Recovery meets over here on Saturday nights. So guys, we're going to be over there. Um, there's a kitchen up above and there's a kitchen down below. So if you have something that, that uh, you need to prepare on site or keep warm and you don't bring it in a crock pot or whatever, we'll make it work. 6 p.m. 
Next Saturday, guys, please, please be there. And then next, we got 40 Days for Life is underway. It is currently going on our, our day is March 18th. So we have, we have 12 hours that we need filled up out there. In the foyer, there is a list. Um, it's starting to fill up, um, but it's not as full as I would like it to be. So let's go ahead and get every, every slot of that filled up and let's go over there and let's pray. The prayer is actually at Planned Parenthood. If you guys have done it before, you know what I'm talking about. If you have never done this and you have questions, ask Reva. She is a wealth of knowledge. She knows exactly what's going on. She'll tell you there's, it's painted because you can't really get on their property. Um, you got to stay on public property, but it's pretty laid out um, Pretty good. So let's do our part as Bridge Assembly and fill those time slots. Amen? Come on, guys. Amen. That's so much better. Um, and then thirdly, I want to talk about church membership out in the foyer. Again, there's a sign-up sheet. If you want to become a member of Bridge Assembly, it's really a quick and easy process. There's a small class you go through that just tells you what we believe in and kind of what our mission is. That's always important. You don't want to just become a member and not know what the church believes in. But that's going on now. So sign up, and then once you're signed up, you'll be contacted, and um, there'll be that class. If for some reason it's like at a time and you're just like, I absolutely want to be a member, but I can't attend the class, we will figure that out, and we will, we will work that out. I will say this. If, if this is your regular church, right, if you're new and you say, hey, this is my church, if you're not new and you've been going here but you've never become a member, please pray about that. Yeah. We want members. Membership is important. Um, membership is important. There's a commitment side to that. I talked about the, uh, um, the side with the armed forces and the chaplains. That's important. But, but really, it's just saying, man, this is my church, and I'm going to come together. It doesn't require you to do anything else. Oh, you're a member, so you automatically have to, you know, shovel the walk and think, no, that's not what membership is about. Membership is just saying, I'm committed to this church. So it doesn't matter if you've been members of churches before, some people have had bad experiences, some people have just never been in a member of a church ever in their life, attend the class at least. And then you can decide, hey, this is for me or this isn't for me. But the more we know, the better things are. So please, please, please on your way out today, if you're not a member of this church, sign up. Just put your name there. Put your phone number. You'll get a great phone call. You can talk about it if you want more information. If you want more information, sign your name there and just say, Pastor, I need more information, and I'll call you, and we'll talk about it. Amen? Amen. Oh, that's a little bit better. And then as worship had just started, I was informed because this was so far from me. Next Sunday is like we changed the clocks. Can you believe that? Uh-oh. I know, it's the worst day of the year. It's the spring forward day. Please change your clocks so you don't get here an hour late, yeah. right? Fall's great because y'all get here an hour early. Um, but just make sure you change those clocks and understand. But that does, you know, that means we're, we're, we're in, moving towards spring pretty quick. Days are getting longer, right? Isn't it great? Isn't it wonderful? We're in the season. Um, 
that all builds up to, to Resurrection Sunday, right? Last, uh, last Wednesday was, was Ash Wednesday. Um, as an Assemblies of God Church, we don't celebrate a lot with that, but we know that we're in the season. As you can see, the crosses are here. They're draped in black right now. And that will lead up to Resurrection Sunday when they will be turned to white because everything changes on that Sunday. We will, we will um, for sure be having a Good Friday service this year. Um, how exactly that's going to look, I don't know. Never done one before. It's going to be an adventure for everyone. So, but please put that on your calendar. Um, so Good Friday, we'll talk about the really the 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 crucifixion. Um, resurrection Sunday, we'll obviously talk about the resurrection. Pretty exciting time though, right? But really, Resurrection Sunday should be our, that's how we should live every single day. That we're living in a time, we're living in, in a, uh, the Savior is within us, so every day is a Resurrection Sunday. Three ways to give, obviously, it's always the same. You can give online, you can give in the giving boxes, you can mail it in. Think about it. Challenge God in that as he's challenging you in that. Try it. Expand it. Do whatever. The closer we get to God, it seems like the more willing we are to, to trust him with our finances. All right. Let's, let's get rolling because we got communion. With, this is an exciting message. I'll, I'll say this. This is a, in a lot of ways, this is a challenging message. I know usually the messages here, they're not challenging at all. They're just a lot of fluff, right? No, they're not. But this one is actually challenging. So let's pray and we will get started. Father, Lord, as we come into this time of your teaching, Lord God, we ask that you open up our hearts. Open up our ears, open up our minds, open up everything that we may receive what you have for us. And Lord God, I believe that you have something for us collectively as a body, but you have something for us individually. Lord God, there's, there's individuals sitting in here and, and Lord God, you got something. Maybe it's just a, a sentence, maybe it's a verse, maybe it's a, a, a segment, maybe it's the entire message. But Lord God, you have this all worked out, you have it all organized. And we thank you for that. Help us to not run from that. Help us to not get freaked out about that. Help us to accept the conviction, that beautiful conviction that you lead into our lives. Help us to, to, to long for the challenge that you put into our lives that we may just become more like Jesus. Yeah. So Lord, today, Holy Spirit, help me to speak those things that need to be spoken, to be conveyed in the way you need them conveyed. And Lord God, if it's not of you, then Lord God, we don't want it. Don't let me say it. And once again, I pray, Holy Spirit, you don't let anybody leave here today the same way that they came in. Because, Lord, we long for your change. We long to be more like you. We, we lift your name high, Jesus, and we pray this in your name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You guys ready? You guys ready? You guys focused in? You guys ready? Ready to be challenged? I hope so. Well, for most of you, you, you guys know we're in this series on, on, the, on the book of, of 1 John, and we've come, we've come a long way. This is part 19, for goodness sakes, and, and for such a short uh, book of the Bible, five, five chapters, you can, you can read it in a in, you know, quick setting, there is so much packed into something that's relatively, relatively so small, and it's 
the book of 1 John is so incredibly relevant for us today. Have you noticed that? We've been going through it. We've been talking about all sorts of things that were written so long ago, but I hope you're gleaning from that and saying, boy, that was written for those guys, but it sure applies to me right now. It sure applies to what's going on in the churches right now and in the world right now. See, 1 John, it informs us, as every book of the Bible does. It it teaches us, and it challenges us, and it even convicts us. If you're going through the book of John, if you've been listening, the handouts will be available at the end of service if you want to grab those. If you've been doing all of this, sitting in here on Sunday mornings, going back and rereading 1 John, and you're not being convicted in any way, shape, or form, my goodness, you're perfect. You're a saint. You've got everything together. But I would bet most of us are being convicted in one way or another. See, it hits us in areas of our life that, that really should define us, especially define us as Christians. But they're the things that sometimes we can struggle with, right? And it's namely love. I mean, the underlying teaching and the underlying current of the book of 1 John, as well as the entire New Testament, as well as the entire Bible is love. But boy, sometimes that's hard to grasp. Last week we talked about how it is God alone who establishes the standard for love. He establishes the standard of love for us as individuals. He establishes the standard of love for his church. But he also establishes the standard of love for the entire world. And though the world, as well as many Christians, may may try to define love by their own measure, we can't. We just cannot define love by our own measure simply because love comes from the Father. It's His. It's what He established. It's what He gave to us. Therefore, it is His standard and His example that we must use despite how hard that can be sometimes. I'm not going to beat around the bush. I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you guys. Sometimes his standard of love for us, it's hard to accept. And it's also hard to give, to give out. You guys ever experienced that? You guys ever experienced people in your lives, it's a little bit hard to love them? It's kind of hard to give love out to them? You ever go through times in your life where it's hard to love yourself? God's standard of love says, no, you're supposed to love yourself because I created you. And there's sometimes, I mean, we can be real, it's sometimes it's, it's hard to love God. We go through certain things in our lives and it's just hard to love God. And it's hard to accept the love that he wants to live, to, to, to give us. Now the world acts the way the world acts simply because it doesn't always recognize that standard of love. And it's really by their choice, right? Christians as well as the world, they choose to recognize the manifest love of the Father that is in Jesus Christ, or they choose not to. If they choose not to, the world is is relegated to, to really live in the absence of God's standard of love. How tragic is that if you think about it? I don't think anybody in here this morning wants to live apart from God's love. But when the world chooses to do the things that the world chooses, it's choosing to step out of that love and to look to themselves 
Now I can say with confidence that the, that the world is hopeless. It's not what a lot of people say. A lot of people say, oh, you can find good things if you look hard enough. But I'll, I'll say with confidence that the world is hopeless. Humanity, collectively, as, as well as individually, is it's forlorn. It's, it's miserable. That is. Except and until God's love is presented to them and and extended to them from the Father through the Son and by way of the church. When I say church, what do I mean? Church? When I say church, I mean us. Those who call themselves Christians. See, if you look at that, that's God's perfect plan right there. God the Father. He gave His love through the Son. The Son brought the love to the church. And is the church supposed to receive that love and say, hey, we've got God's love? No, the church is to take that very love and to extend it to everywhere possible. And that's us offering and giving out what the Father has bestowed upon us in His Son. And that's really the natural progression or the flow of our faith. It's always to take that. No exceptions here. We can't say, boy, I love this part of my faith and this part of church, but the love part I'm going to leave over here. No, it's all contained within that love. And remember from last week, we are not to live in our Jesus bubbles and only be receiving that love because that's a consumer mentality. And one that we don't find in the gospel. We don't find it there. We don't look in the book of Acts. You don't see anybody in the book of Acts saying, boy, all that love is coming to me. I'm just going to grab it here and then I'm going to take it into a cave and I'm going to hide out there and bask in the love of God. No, they were taking it out. They were putting themselves at risk. They wanted to allow that love to flow through him. So we are to be exporters of his love. Remember last week, 1 John 4, 11 says this, Beloved, if God so loved us in this incredible way, we also ought to love one another. And again, I'm not going to lie. This can be one of the hardest aspects of our faith. It can at times be difficult to love those that are close to us. And at other times, it can be difficult to love those that are far from us. However, we must, we must, we must, we must, we must, we must grasp with everything within us that this is not a suggestion to love. It is God's command that we love. First, we love Him. Because if we don't put Him first, there can never be a second. And that second is... We've got to love others. We've we, we got to do it. As tough as this may seem, we also need to understand that, that in reality, love is easy. Love is quite easy. What makes it hard is us. Our pride, our hurt, our distrust, our fear, and our anger, and it gets in there and it mucks everything up. It mucks up the process. It diverts the natural process of love. But praise God, we don't have to do it alone. 
That's the best part. We don't have to do it alone. And that brings us to, to where we're going to start today in verse 13. 1 John 4.13, again out of the Amplified. By this we know with confident assurance that we abide in him and he in us because he has given to us his Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit has been given to us. Now in verse 12, John linked living in God to loving one another. And back in chapter 3, verse 24, he linked living with God to obeying his commands. The witness or the testimony to this is found in the Holy Spirit and how he is proclaiming Christ through us. Did you know that's what the Holy Spirit does? That's one of his main functions. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Okay, what does that even mean? Well, part of what it means is that, that the Holy Spirit proclaims Christ through us, right? In order for him to proclaim Christ through us, we have to have trust in the Holy Spirit, get into conversations, and actually speak about Christ. Amen. See, it's the Holy Spirit that emboldens us to declare that, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and the Savior of the world. Amen. And it is the Holy Spirit that empowers us to love. To love in accordance with the standard of agape love of the Father. <laughs> a lot of us can fall into fear. In a lot of, oh man, how is it that you can do that? That takes such boldness. Whoa, I can't without the Holy Spirit. How is it that you can speak about Jesus in that way? Well, I can't. Without the Holy Spirit, see, it's that Holy Spirit that empowers us to proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord, as well as to be able to love those around us. Once again, John has stated how we are to live. We are to live in God and by love. And now he has affirmed that we are able and even authorized to do just this because the Father has given or he has sent the Holy Spirit to us. The beautiful theme of the Bible, and especially the New Testament, is what we can call reciprocal abiding. How many in here has ever heard of reciprocal abiding? It's one of those words, those theologic terms, but it makes a whole lot of sense. See, a reciprocal abiding is the ultimate expression of our relationship or communion with God. Reciprocal abiding means that God is in us and that we are in God. That sounds so simple, doesn't it? Doesn't that sound so incredibly basic? But if we break that down, God is in us. We are in God. It is a complete relationship whereby and through the Holy Spirit we become intimate with God in a personal and active way. See, a deist, there's another, there's another word that might be new for some of you. A deist is someone who believes that, that God does in fact exist and that he did create the world, but beyond that, God has no active engagement in the world. Adias believes that God set things in motion 
And then he stepped back and he pulled out of the game and he's just sitting back and watching this experiment and seeing how it will unfold. But the Bible, it paints a very different picture. You're the God of the Bible and, and, and Jesus of the New Testament not only created everything, including this world and, and each one of us, but he also very much desires a personal relationship with each one of us. God is in us, and we are in Him. Which brings us to a very personal, powerful, and profound question each of us must ask ourselves. Flip that slide. How deep of a relationship do I have with God? Now, if you're sitting here thinking, boy, this is a real evangelistic Message. It sounds like pastor's up there and he's, he's, he's believing that there's a bunch of people in church today that have never made a commitment to, to Christ. They've never prayed the prayer. But that's actually not it at all. Because sometimes we can go get so wrapped up in emotion. Say, man, I just got to pray the prayer. And we pray the prayer and we bypass everything else. So within everybody here, within myself, I have to to pull everything back to this very question. How deep of a relationship do I actually have with God? Not something we ask ourselves very often, do we? See, to know about God is much different than to know God. To believe in the love of God is much different to be in love with God. To know the Holy Spirit is much different than to live with the Holy Spirit. See, reciprocal abiding makes possible God's love for us and our love for Him. We're not to keep God at a distance, are we? Well, I wouldn't call myself a deist by any means. But maybe I don't have the, the intimate relationship that pastor's talking about. See, there's a disconnect there, right? Which is it that God desires? Well, if you look to Scripture, we know that God desires that true one-on-one relationship. No middle ground. Reciprocal love is also what makes it possible. It's It's the very reason that we can love one another. Did you know if we don't have reciprocal um, abiding, reciprocal love with the Father, there's no way that we're going to be loving those around us. We're going to have conditional love, of course, right? There's conditional love that means that, hey, in this situation, because that person was nice to me, they said something good to me, they gave me something, now I will love them. But when that situation changes, so does our love. That's not the love of God. That's not the standard of love of God. And we need that reciprocal in abiding in order to love people during the hard times. So I ask, how is your reciprocal love in terms of your relationship with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? There are so many churches out there. There's there's just a vast landscape of churches right now, isn't there? There's dead churches. 
right? They're just dead. They're just existing. It's just like, man, we're going to make it through this Sunday. We're given a place for a people to come, and if they need a, a wedding or a funeral, we'll be there for them. But, but really, there's no, there's no spirit going on there. There's no teaching going on there. And then, and then, there's, then there's churches. Kind of, kind of the whole reason John, John wrote this is because in these churches, there was all this disunity, and, and there was some bad, bad, bad teaching, and there was, there was bad preaching going on, and, and John's coming after the fact and reassuring that those people are gone now. Now let's focus in on what we need to focus. But right now, especially in this country, it breaks my heart to say there's many churches out there that are preaching a false gospel. They're embracing things that they shouldn't be embracing. They're saying, yes, it's in the Word, but that was for them contextually and because of where we're now, we'll adapt that and we'll allow a lot of things that the church of 50, 100, 2,000 years ago never would. Those aren't good churches. you got dead churches. you got churches that are speaking false doctrine. But then you have the alive churches. Churches that are proclaiming Jesus. They're preaching boldly the true, unadulterated word of God. And then there are some churches, and honestly, churches are ministries, and they do this, this really good, good job teaching the theology of God in the theology of Christianity. You can walk into those churches and it's like, man, they are right on. They are biblically right on. Their theology is right there. But the whys and the hows can never replace the relationship between the Father and His children. So we have to exist as a church that is theologically sound, but seeking Jesus as our Lord and Savior, seeking the guidance of the Holy Spirit and encouraging that intimate relationship between a creator and his creation. That's why treating communion with the respect and reverence and the reciprocal abiding that it requires is so, so vital. Now in verse 14, John makes a fundamental as well as a confident statement. Look at verse 14. We who were with him in person have seen and testify as eyewitnesses that the Father has sent the Son to be with the Savior of the world. Such a great passage right here. See, John is stating almost to the point of of his authority in this statement. He's stating his earthly relationship with Jesus. His, his eyewitnesses a witness account of, of the things that he saw Jesus actually do. He's, he's talking about his experience with, with Christ. Tell me that doesn't carry a whole lot of weight, right? Hey, I'm, I'm John. <laughs> yeah, that John. Yeah, the apostle. Yeah, the fisherman that was called and I walked with Jesus for those three years. I saw all of those. That's me. That's who I am. And now, now I'm, I'm speaking this out. See, John is, 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 is by assuring this statement of who he is, he is directly challenging those who had left these churches and that now claim that, that Jesus of Nazareth 
is not the Christ. But John's saying, but, but I know it to be true. Because I was there with him. I heard him. I saw the things that he did. Now we can be in situations similar to that, can't we? You ever be in those situations where you're listening? You're just kind of listening to somebody talk? It's always good to listen. That's biblical. You, you, quick to listen, slow to speak. So you let that person talk about things. And sometimes somebody is talking about something that they, have, they really have no direct experience with. And that's incredibly different than listening to someone who has had that direct involvement, right? It's kind of like I can talk about things like, like cheeseburgers. I can say, hey, let's see. Uh, yeah, I have heard, I have heard that, that In-N-Out Burger has amazing cheeseburgers. I, I, I've heard that. I, I, I'm not for sure, but, I, but I've heard that. That's very, very different than me saying, oh, yeah, I just got back from a trip out, out west and, and just ate at In-N-Out Burger, and I'm telling you what. I am telling you what, those cheeseburgers, they're amazing. The cheese is so melted, it's like over everything. And, and man, I did the one that had two patties and, and just the sauce. It, the fries were so-so, I'll be honest about that, but the burger itself, just the way the bun, it was an incredible burger. That's a whole lot different, right? Who would you rather listen to? Somebody that has direct experience with something or somebody that just says, well, I've heard from someone else. Seems like that's about what our media has come to right now, huh? No, media very rarely actually digs in themselves. They just say, well, I heard somebody report on this, and then, then down the line it gets so adapted and changed. But, but it's easier just to take, take that word from somebody. Well, John is here saying, he's saying, man, I knew the guy. I knew the guy. I spent three years with the guy. I, I watched him perform countless miracles. I, I, I got to sit there every single day, every single situation. I got to sit there and I got to listen to his teachings. And, and this was really cool. This was really cool. There was this one time and man, Jesus was getting a little long-winded and we all knew it. And, and the night was coming on and there's all these people out there and there was no food. And Jesus says, hey, what do you got? And, and I got to watch Jesus take bread and fish and it just kept multiplying. I got to watch Jesus turn water into wine. John is saying, man, I've got to, I, I got to see all this. I was there. I was there in the Garden of Gethsemane when, when, when Jesus was praying and, and blood was, was coming through his pores. And, and I was standing right there when Jesus got betrayed. And I was at the, I was at the foot of the cross. When they crucified him, I was, I was there, I was staring up at him. I, I saw his eyes, I, I heard his last words. But then I got to see Jesus post-resurrection. I got to hang out with him for, for 40 more days. And, and I was actually standing there when he ascended and he went up to heaven. And you know what, guys? I'm telling you all this because I, I still know him personally. I can testify personally that, that Jesus is the Son, the One, the Father sent. Jesus is the Savior of the world. John could say all those things because he experienced all those things. How amazing would it be to be able to speak like that? Seriously, wouldn't you want to be able to speak like that? But is this verse limited only to John and the other 
disciples that were actually there? The Holy Spirit working in them as well as Him working in us. It invites us into a complete relationship with Jesus. See, though we were not there at that specific time, and though we did not see with our eyes all those things that Jesus accomplished, it's the Holy Spirit that comes into our body, it comes into our faith, and it allows us to experience the, the historical events of Christ's death, the, the sacrifice, the, the tragedy, the, the, the beauty, and the life-changing power. So though we weren't actually there some 2,000 years ago, the, because the Holy Spirit is within us, we were there. And we can understand that. And, and we reciprocate that experience through our testimony, don't we? It's the same thing that, 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 that John is doing here. And it's not in an abstract or an impersonal way. Because it has actually become the reality that is within us. Or, or at least it should. See, if I, if I speak about Jesus... It's not because I've heard about Jesus. It's because I know Jesus. It's a very personal encounter that, that we can now speak about with confidence. We have seen with our eyes and we testify in accordance with the Holy Spirit that the Father has absolutely sent the Son, Jesus Christ, to be the Savior of the world and I know this to be true because He is my personal Savior. And the Scriptures testify to it. Isn't that what our witness should look and sound like? So why do we make it so difficult? See, when I'm witnessing or I'm testifying to what Christ has done in my life, I'm not engaged in a debate. There is no debate. You can't tell me. I don't care who you are. You can't tell me that Jesus Christ hasn't come into my life. And through the Holy Spirit hasn't upended who I am and changed me completely. I don't care. We're not debating this. That's not what's on the table. That is an absolute. That is a for sure. Do you guys believe it? Do you guys understand it? Do you guys proclaim it? Do you guys testify to that? If I'm attesting to someone, I know for sure and about that someone fully. Right? Too many of us go in and we're just so sure that we're going to be shut down. And we're just so sure that we're going to be challenged. And maybe in the back of our brain there's this thing going on and saying, yeah, but what if that person does convince me that I don't know Jesus? You're going into it all wrong. You're listening too much to yourself and the world and not enough to the Holy Spirit. Yeah. See, I am seeing by way of the Holy Spirit, and I'm speaking with the authority and the experience of the Holy Spirit. Don't get in your own way. Let the Holy Spirit go. 
Let him speak through you. It's a wonderful thing. Father bestows his love through the Son. The Son performs the sacrifice on the cross and the glory of the resurrection. By way of his ascension, the Son now goes back and the Father sends the Holy Spirit to the world. To this earthly world? No, he doesn't. He sends it to us. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Not a building, not a rock, not a mountain. But we are. Now the Holy Spirit is within us to grant us that boldness so the Father may speak his love through the Son, through the Holy Spirit that comes through us. So I do it within the confidence that my relationship with Christ activates. It activates within us. Remember, my relationship is based upon reciprocal abiding. I testify as to who Jesus is because I am in God. And God is in me. And all the time I am speaking in love, aren't I? I'm speaking with the agape standard of love established by the Father, which, which never, ever, ever leads to fear. It doesn't lead to confusion. It doesn't lead to deception or bondage. It doesn't do God's love doesn't do that. It can't do that. It breaks those things loose. Because God's love is forever connected with his righteousness. Therefore, it is the, the only love that can, can completely and utterly set people free from sin and death and the enemy. And it's the Holy Spirit attesting to these things through me and my willingness to be used by Him. Now, isn't that what the world longs for? Flip that slide. It's right there. Isn't that what the world longs for? Authentic followers of Christ boldly and confidently testifying about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who drastically changed their lives. I don't want somebody coming up to me going, well, I don't know, I, I, I guess. I guess in my life he kind of did these things. I don't know. For now, for this season, I'm, I'm in a place where I'm worshiping God. I even go to church and things like that. I don't want to talk to somebody like that. I'm not going to believe what that person is. But man, if I, if I see somebody and they're, they're authentic and they're bold and they're confident in what they believe and they can say, man, this is what God has done, to, done in me and for me and to me. I'm like, man, I'm glued to that. I'm glued to that because, because that's exactly what I need. That's what I've been longing for. I think this is all true. I don't think this is wrong. Now I have to keep going because, because this next verse brings, brings it all together. It's, it's 15. 1 John 4.15 Whoever confesses and acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God and abides in Him and He in God. What does being a Christian really entail? Is it where we go to church? Because we talked about different churches. Is it where we go to church? No. Is it, is it how often we read our Bibles? No. Is it helping one another? Is it going out and volunteering and, and doing all these, these, these good things? No. Is it the music we listen to? Ah, 
I listen to Caleb all the time and got a bumper sticker on, on the back of my car. That must make me a Christian, right? No! Is it who our parents are? Young people, absolutely no. It's not what makes you a Christian. It must be the box I check on the questionnaire. You know, the big questionnaires, and it says, okay, um, race, okay. Uh, gender, well, that one's up for grabs. Age, well, that one ought to be up for grabs as well then. And then we get down to, to religious beliefs, and there's this, you know, there's several boxes. It's, well, I'm not this, and I'm not this, and I'm not this, so I must be a Christian. Is that what makes you a Christian, the box that you check? No! It's right here in 1 John 4.15. Whoever confesses and acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. It's reciprocal right there. So if we, if we think back, first off, John showed us the, the fellowship involves the command to love one another. Right? That's, that's the command of God. He says, man, love God and, and love others. That's, that's, that's the first thing. And, and then, then he showed it, it is dependent upon the gift of the Holy Spirit in able for us to do that. And now, and now, John brings it all together in Jesus. Fellowship with God is built on Jesus who must be acknowledged as the Son of God who came in the flesh and is the Savior of the world. Now just because you're here, you might have very different views. But I'm telling you, this is the biblical view. And this is what it means to be a Christian. It's not the, the religious baggage that man tries to, to pile upon us. It's not our acts. It's it's not good deeds. It has nothing to do with my heritage or my rep reputation. It's all about the Father sending the Son in order that I may be redeemed by His blood. Everybody knows this one, Romans 10.9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead you will be saved. Boy, that engages both our heart and our mind, doesn't it? It means we gotta, we got to believe with, with every part of us. Well, my faith side, that's my, that's my religious side. My religious side believes that there's a higher power, but my, my, my job side, my everyday side, understands of the, the things of evolution and thinks, nah, I can't do that. You've got be, to believe. You've got to trust. You've got to confess with your mouth. You've got to believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. That's how we're saved. That's what makes us a Christian. It's an individual thing, isn't it? Boy, if that was a blanket thing. Our church believes it, so if you attend this church, boy, that'd be a reason to become a member, wouldn't it? If I just got to become a member and I'm good for eternity, that'd be pretty easy. God doesn't do it that way. We get saved. You say, Jesus, man, you're everything. I want it. I want it all. I want the full meal deal. I want everything. I want to, I want to confess with my, my mouth. It, it's not that I have to. 
It's that I want to confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. And, and, I, and I truly believe with everything within me, everything that's within my heart, that God raised him from the dead. This is our testimony. This is our witness. And this is what our church is built upon. And, and, and the beautiful part, everything flows from this. God's love literally is summed up, summed up by His action of sending His Son. Man, if you didn't know Romans 10.9, you, you probably know John 3.16 and 17, don't you? For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. How does this not stir within us a passion to testify to the greatness of our Lord? It's got to, doesn't it? It's got to get us excited. Oh man, we're coming into Easter season. All this stuff is going on. The days are getting longer. The earth is warming up. I'm focused on Jesus. Boy, if there was only some Sunday I could invite people. It's coming up. It's called the Good Friday service and the Resurrection Sunday service. Man, what timing God has. We've got several weeks. Get to plant. Who are you going to bring to church on those days? Who are you going to invite? How are you going to allow the passion that is built up within us because of the love that's dispersed Father, Son, and Holy Spirit into us? How are we going to be emboldened to speak the name of the Lord and to invite? Something to think about, isn't it? How is your relationship with God? How reciprocal is it? That brings us to verse 16. Let's look at what verse 16 says. We have come to know by personal observation and experience. Again, can't we say that? I've come to know Jesus by personal observation and experience and, ha- and have believed with deep, consistent faith. How many of you guys have that deep, consistent faith? The love which God has for us. God is love. And the one who abides in love abides in God. And God abides continually in Him. Continually in Him. Oh, does that mean like all the time? Does that mean like eight hours a day? Most days? Or is that continually? All the time? Can you separate it? Does God take a vacation? Does He take a break? Does He take a sabbatical? Absolutely not. God is on the throne and His love is flowing consistently at a PSI that we can't even imagine. That's how much love is being pumped into us. His church. The ones who faithfully believe in Him. Because we have come to know by personal observation and experience And we do believe with deep, consistent faith the love which God has for each one of us because we know from the depths of our soul that God is love and the one who abides in love abides in God. And that's me! And God abides continually in me. Again, how can we not get excited? How can we not get passionate about this? 
It's knowing and believing. Because I'm sorry, a lot of people, especially Christians, they're pretty good at knowing, but the believing, which is the application, is something else. Good intentions, but the follow-through. Oh, we're going to do this. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait to go to church on Sunday. Oh, I have a couple other things I need to do. The, the idea was good. Oh, I want to tell my neighbor about Jesus. Oh, I'm going to do it. No, but I got busy. I got cleaning my garage. The, the, the idea was good, but the application fell through. Those are external things. Now let's bring it in personal. What things in your life? You keep saying, oh, no, man, I'm going to do this. I'm going I'm to spend time in the Word. I'm going to dedicate time to pray. I'm going to do all those things, and you walk out of this building going, man, I'm going to do all these things. Aren't I so good? And they fall through. We need both. We need to, to, to know, and we need to believe. We need to decide, and we need to apply. So do you know? Do you believe? As I was reading this and I was studying this, I couldn't help but think of Peter and this colossal profession in John 6, 66 through 69. Let's, let's read that. As a result, as a result of, of one of Jesus' hard, challenging teachings, as a result of this, many of his disciples abandoned him and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the 12 disciples, those closest to him, you do not want to leave too, do you? And it was Simon Peter who answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. You are our only hope. We have believed and confidently trusted. And even more, we have come to know by personal observation and experience that you are the Holy One of God, the Christ, the Son of the living God. They knew it. They got it. They understood it. We need to know it. We need to get it. And we need to understand it. See, here's the process that we are to live by and the process that we are to convey to others. Flip that slide. Number one, we know and rely upon the truth that God loves us. That's a pretty good start, right? You've got to know it. You've got to rely upon it's the truth. That God loves us. It's John 3, 16 and 17. Number two, by relying on his love or having faith in Jesus, we realize that God's very nature is love. Right? We've talked about that. It's not that God says, oh, and I'll also love. I'll throw this in there. No. It's God's very nature that is love. And then number three, our eyes are finally opened to the fact that to live in God means to live in love. Amen. Can't separate it, can you? No. See, we have God's love, and really God's love and having faith in Jesus, it's, it's really the same thing. And we need to realize that, and then we need to open our eyes, and we need to understand that, oh man, that means I, I need to live in love. I, I Remember, I said love is easy. Love is easy, but we screw it all up. We get in the gears, we corrode it all, 
because of our past experiences, our past hurts, our unforgiveness, the way we look at ourselves, self-condemnation, condemnation of others, bitterness, loneliness, fear. That's a huge one. But when our eyes are open, those things go away and we understand that God truly loves each one of us. And that love builds such a confidence within us that now we can lower our guard and we can actually love those that are around us. Therefore, reciprocal abiding is impossible without love. God is in us. We are in God. It's not a religious 12-step program. It's all based on love. It is time. It's time personally. Man, this is a time in your life, but it's a time in this church that individually as well as collectively that we reevaluate everything that we think we know everything that we are currently doing and even everything we aspire to do we need to reevaluate all of those things within the reality of God's love and the profession of who Jesus Christ is I'm sorry to say is in ministry and churches it's so easy to just kind of start doing the things that we think we should be doing without evaluating them within the love of God and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. We do this simply because that is the standard we are to base ourselves upon. And that is what a lost and dying world longs for. They're in desperate need of it. Worship team. Worship duo. Jen and Stephen. Come on up. See, that means, ultimately, that means we need to, we need to know it. Do you know it? And we need to live it. Yeah. Are you living it? And we need to share it. Are you sharing it? Reciprocal abiding. Having the confidence, oh man, you want to build confidence in your life. Reciprocal abiding. Understanding that God's in me and I'm in God. We have a personal relationship. It's an intimate relationship. It's not distant. Maybe it's not where you want it to be this morning. We're going to take a time of communion. Communion, again, it's beautiful because it sums this up. We take communion not because we have to. We take communion not because it's, it's the religious, um, liturgical thing. We take communion because we want to take communion. We take communion because we want to abide in Him. We take communion because we want to reciprocate. We want to honor God by doing this. So, Amy, Zana, girls, pull, pull that out here. What we're going to do today is these altars are obviously always open, right? And I've been doing a lot of altar calls. This is no different. I guess the difference is if you want communion, you actually have to walk to the altar. See? Gotcha. Kidding. I want you guys... You're good. As we sing this last song, did, did you get the song changed? It's like, oh man, it's got to be this song. This is, a, this is an intimate song, but it is a gritty song. I think our faith needs to be more intimate and it needs to be more gritty. So as we sing this song, 
I want you guys to get before the Lord. I want you to evaluate your current relationship. Where it's at. I don't know where it's at. We're all different. Depending on where it's at, you have the opportunity to, to go deeper within it. Man, I'm good. Take it deeper. Man, I'm so-so. Take it deeper. Man, I'm distant. Get back close. I would imagine some of you guys need a little altar time this morning. That's honorable. Come to a point where we think only the hurting and the messed up and the, the confused go to the altar. No, that's not it. The altar is honorable. I see somebody in the altar, I'm like, man, that person is getting some God. And I honor that. I'm not saying you can't do that on your own and in your, your seats. But again, there's something coming about coming to the, to the altar. Today as we do communion, John, or Paul talked a lot about you know taking communion in an unworthy manner. We want to guard ourselves against that. We don't want to bring sickness upon ourselves or upon this church. That's why we do communion the way we do it. We, we do it at the end of the service. So that we can come forward and and make sure everything is right within each one of our hearts before we take communion. So I ask, I ask you guys to do just that. I believe the Holy Spirit is convicting some in here. I believe he's challenging some in here. I believe he's confirming some things in here within each one of you. I ask you to not run from that. But I do ask somebody to run down and get the kids real quick. I forgot that. Thank you, Alvin. So as we come into this time, communion isn't something that we can simply or should rush into. We sit, we listen, we worship. We make a statement. We ask God questions. We ask wisdom of the Holy Spirit to lead us to where we need to be led to. See, see, church service it's a wonderful thing. I, I love the worship. I love the teaching. But it actually comes down to this part. It all comes down to this segment of the service. Because we've worshipped together. You've been taught. But now, respectively, I'm giving you the opportunity to accept those things that you just heard. To make changes. To run to those things. That's exactly what we will do. So as we worship, as we sing, when you are ready, come on forward, grab your elements, take them back with you. We serve an open communion here, meaning you don't have to be a member to take communion here. You simply have to be a part of the church, to be a faithful follower of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Amen. 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 Did everybody get their elements that needs them? Anybody in the back miss out? Awesome. The reason we come together with communion is to, to, to do that, to reciprocate our love and our honor for him, but it's also to commune with God. Communion is just that. We, we commune together. We commune with our God. It's, it's a church and a God thing all wrapped up into one, and it's a, it's a wonderful thing. I, I want you guys to know my heart. I so desire for each one of you to be set free from anything that you're carrying. 
want you guys to, to step in the full potential of what God has for each one of you. It's a beautiful and it's a wonderful thing. And, and to silence the lies of your past that says, I'm not good enough. I'll, I'll never be able to. It's not, how, it's not how God sees things. God the Father looks upon us and he sees the beauty of the Son. Each one of us who has Jesus is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we need, to, we need to embrace that. And that's what I want for each person in here, each person listening right now. I want, I want you to step into the fullness of God. And, and as we do that together, we collectively as a church step in to the fullness of what God has for us in this community. How exciting is that? It's all that reciprocal abiding. God in us, us in God. Paul said these words in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul is a great example of what we were talking about earlier. Paul was not one of the original 12 apostles, was he? He wasn't he didn't hang out with Jesus. He was he was very much on the other side and after the the resurrection and the ascension we know that Paul actually persecuted the Christians he he wasn't there but Paul spoke in a manner which testifies that because of the fullness of the holy spirit within him the interaction that he had with God himself he spoke as though he was there all along testifies to the belief that we should be speaking the same in 1 Corinthians 11 says this, For I received from the Lord what I also deliver to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. Paul speaking as if he was there. We need to, to, to do this right now as if we were actually there. And Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. That's what we're doing today. We're proclaiming who Jesus is, the Son of God. We're proclaiming what his death accomplished. And we're proclaiming that we are we are eagerly awaiting his return for his church. Amen. Everybody take your bread. Father, thank you so much that you sent your son. And Lord God, it was within your righteousness that you didn't bend the rules. A sacrifice had to be made. And, and Lord God, it was your plan that you would, you would send your son to be that sacrifice. So Lord God, as we take this bread, we're proclaiming that we, God, we love you so much and we are so thankful for that sacrifice. Go ahead and take your bread. And likewise, Lord, we take this, this, this juice. It's a representation of your blood and it's, it, it represents the new covenant. Lord God, everything changes with you, Lord. We are not, we're no longer under the penalty of sin and death. 
But because of you and your sacrifice, we are under the new covenant of life. Lord God, help us to live according to the new covenant on a daily basis. Let us have an eternal view, but let that not be our only view. I know where I'm spending eternity, but Lord God, eternity starts now. So Lord God, everything that communion represents is your standard of love. Help us to reciprocate that love to you and to others by way of the new covenant. Go ahead and take your juice. Now, Father, Lord God, be lifted high. Be glorified within each one of us. Lord God, your Holy Spirit that lives within us, help us to listen to it. Help us to align ourselves with the Holy Spirit who grants us wisdom and truth. And Lord God, once again I ask, no one leave this place the same way that they came in. Give us a singular focus upon you that changes how we live our life day to day. Help us to live within the boldness and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that was sent after the ascension. That came about because the Father loved us so much that he sent the Son. Help us to begin to live the lives that you have for each one of us and to be the church that you desire us to be. We pray this in the mighty name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and everyone shout it out. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Linger if you want to linger. Love on somebody. Talk to people. Hang out. Do whatever. This concludes today's message. We hope you can join us next Sunday for services beginning at 10 o'clock a.m. at Bridge Assembly located at 725 Granite Avenue in Helena, Montana. For more information about Bridge Assembly, go to bridgehelena.com. And we hope you can join us next Sunday with Pastor Jason Metz.